Welcome to episode three of the Boomtown Hoops podcast. I am your host, Evan, joined by Jackson and a new co-host of the podcast, Stephen, pronounced just like Stephen Adams, as he told me before, not Stephen, not, not Stephen Curry, we're Stephen Adams around these parts. Jackson, how, how are you doing and how does it feel that, you know, Thunder basketball is like kind of back, we're not all the way back, but we're, we're like, we're pretty close, we're getting there. Uh, I'm great. That last night watching felt, I was like, this feels right. And it didn't, didn't look great, but it felt right. And I don't know. <laughs> I, that, a lot of times that is Thunder basketball, but <laughs> mm-hmm. for sure. Happy well, it's back. You know, it had been 19 months since they played in front of fans. They were like one of the only, or maybe the only team that had no fans at all last year. So it was just great to, like have fans back in the arena and have a kind of normal feeling to the game. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. I couldn't catch it live, but caught a lot of highlights and stuff like I was telling you guys, but Steven, how, how's it going and and how does it feel to you get to be on a podcast where we, we talk about the thunder and just mess around? Yeah. I'm, I'm so excited to be here. Um, I'm sure my wife is just as happy as me that I don't have to talk to her about thunder. I can talk to you guys and actually have a, have a platform where I could talk about it. So I'm, I'm fired up to be here uh, excited to be part of the team. I think that, I think that's kind of what Jackson and I said. I don't remember if it was in a podcast or pre podcast, one of the first two, <laughs> but it was like, yeah, like, like Jackson lives in Virginia. I'm in Kansas, like not a ton of thunder fans here. No thunder, no thunder fans where where Jackson's at so yeah it's like uh, this is this is the outlet and like I said at the beginning we actually have some real sort of real mostly fake but a little bit real stuff to talk about here with some preseason basketball and mainly Josh Giddy. I mean the score of this game 113 to 97 the Hornets win that that's pretty irrelevant though in the grand scheme of what Thunder fans should care about, right? I mean, Jackson, we've we've got to be pretty excited about what we saw from Josh Giddy last night. Yeah, I, I definitely was. I I wasn't quite sure what to expect. I mean, we got what two minutes of summer league. It was very little time that yep. he was on the court. <laughs> um, so yeah, other than that, we just have highlights from from overseas. So I was excited to see him in action, and and he really really impressed me. Um, he was more athletic than I anticipated. Mm-hmm. Um, going against NBA guys. I know it's still preseason, um, but I liked what I saw. He, he's a phenomenal passer. Um, yeah. He's, he's already, he, he's already easily the best passer on the team. I think he, I mean, he's definitely up there. Um, and I think just as he gets more NBA minutes, I, I'm very excited. I think one of the things I was most excited for was to see what a, a Shea giddy backcourt looked like. Yeah. Um, and we got a little bit of it last night, but I'm excited to kind of see how it develops. Yeah, when when Shea is actually like playing and like caring about the game, which he shouldn't care about last night. Like there's nothing that he can do one way or another that changes anybody's opinion on him. So if I were him, I wouldn't give a crap about last night's game either, quite frankly. But Josh Giddy, 18 points, seven rebounds, three assists. I have a feeling potential assists is going to be a stat that we're following quite closely with Josh Giddy this year. Don't know what it was last night, but a lot of guys missed a lot of wide open shots that he created. But, but Steven, what, what stood out to you uh, from Josh Giddy's debut last night? Yeah, I kind of talked about it last night on the, on the post game show uh, with Bobby and, and Cody. Um, 
you know, we just touched on the passing, the passing. He, um, there was one highlight that I watched and saw it live that one where he whipped that pass to Mike and Mike ended up blowing that layup. But (laughs) I mean, that was just an absolute, just like, you don't expect that out of an 18 year old rookie. Like to me, Mm -hmm. that's something that, you know, like that's a, that's like a Kyrie or, you know, one of those guys type of pass. Well, and, it, and it's funny. What, what it is, is a LaMelo ball type of pass. Like it's right. stuff that oh, yeah. LaMelo was doing last year and we'll still do. It's like, they're both from the NBL. It's like the yep. LaMelo and Josh Giddy comparisons are not going to be sparse this year. I don't think. But, but yeah, I think um, number one, what stood out to me, outside of the passing, we already covered that extensively. What stood out to me is he was always in complete control of the pace he he was playing at. He was playing at his own pace, never looked like he was in a hurry, uh, but was also playing with, with force, playing with a forceful pace, which that's not something that you really expect from an 18-year-old kid to, to have that strong of a command. Of He just had everything on a string out there, quite frankly. And then you mentioned it. He would have had another highlight had Muscala finished that layup. He had the lefty like whip cross court that Maladone missed the three pointer. Uh, Giddy got the rebound and and one. That's why that one's still in in the highlight package. Fortunately, um, I thought what stood out to me that I wasn't expecting though was the the defense. I thought he actually looked. I know it's preseason. I know Gordon Hayward probably isn't trying too hard. I thought Giddy kind of held his own okay. Guarding Gordon Hayward, he looked comfortable, like, off the ball, doing stuff defensively too, like making rotations, like guard Gordon Hayward, wall him off, rotate over to LaMelo Ball and, and contest a floater. Like, I was impressed by that. And we had kind of heard Mark Dagnall say that Giddy could be a guy who plays defense well right away. He actually, it's funny, he basically compared him to Gallo as far as I don't, did you guys see this quote? What, what Dagnall said about, about Giddy's defense. Uh-uh. What he said. So he missed that one. <laughs> he, this was a couple of days ago. He compared him to Gallo as far as his size and his IQ. But what he said was Gallo, Gallo did not, did not have like the foot speed. He, he didn't have the foot speed to play defense. Giddy, he said, does Giddy has all three of those things. And so like, he's not going to be a stopper by any means, but, you like the coach saying things like that about the 18 year old, soon to be 19 year old rookie that like he already gets it defensively. I, I think that's probably a huge reason why he was already in the starting lineup last night. What do you guys think? Uh, yeah, I think it's, um, and I think really too, it was just a tested out too, kind of, you know, with Shea mm-hmm. starting and, and, you know, once again, touched on this last night on post game of seeing how, the you know SGA Giddy um, Teo lineups are going to work. Um, I think that was probably the first step in it. Um, I don't think that Teo's going to. I think he'll be probably one of the first three off the bench come starting season. Um, but I think that was kind of my guess is that's kind of how he's Degnault's going to play that of of you know really trying to work SGA and Giddy together is mm-hmm. is kind of what I'm thinking. Well and what we saw last night a little bit too is that Giddy actually played the four like a decent amount. He was playing 
in a lot of the clips that I saw. I don't know like how many, like how long of stretches, but he was playing in lineups with three other guards out there, like a fair amount early on. So it's like, well, we've talked about a little bit here and everybody else that covers the Thunder is talking about it too. This team has a lot of guards that need to play. Mm-hmm. Teo needs to play. Terrence Mann needs to play. Ty Jerome, obviously Dort and SGA are going to play. And if you can steal some minutes with Giddy at the four and play him with three guards, that gets pretty interesting and is also just a good way to get a lot of those young guys on the court. And obviously Poku fits it. Poku is just Poku. He's not a position, but Poku just kind of fits into that, into that mix as far as guard slash wing too. Yeah, I, I definitely think um, when it comes to if, – if you can get any minutes from Giddy at the four, I mm-hmm. think um, I think this team will play a lot of positionless basketball this year. I yep. think you can see it from the, the training camp roster when they have Poku listed center. Poku yeah. is the, the furthest thing you can get from a traditional center. Yeah, well, um, and then, like, Derek Favors was listed as a forward, and then he's a forward slash center, and now Poku's a forward. So they're, they're just kind of playing with with our minds a little bit here. Right. So I think, I think you're going to see a lot of weird lineups from this team, non-traditional lineups, I should mm-hmm. say. Um, and I think if he's serviceable with his size, if he's a serviceable defender, um, I think you can play more of those lineups. You don't get stuck in like, well, we're playing four guards because no one can, but we right. can't match up on defense. Like at six, eight, he can, he can defend, you know, at least a big wing. Um, and he, can't. And he doesn't have to be like the primary guy, like ever. You can always have one of Dort or or Kenrich out there being the primary guy. But if Giddy can at least be a guy who can switch with those guys a little bit and like not get killed by some of those guys, then I, I think that'll be helpful for playing those lineups and getting those guys out there more. And also, uh, Mark Dagnall has. It's been interesting for me to follow what he said about Teo. Um, the last couple of days. He's talked a lot about, you know, we think of Teo as a guy who needs to have the ball in his hands, but he said he actually really liked what Teo showed earlier in the season when he was a little bit more off ball. So just to kind of give a little more credence to, to the four guard stuff, maybe being a thing, you know, I think Teo can play off and on the ball. Ty Jerome can too. So even though none of those guys are like huge guys, none of them are tiny and they all can play with them without the ball. I think those lineups, like you said, positionless basketball, they're going to be, they're going to be fun. They're going to be weird. And I think that's, that's kind of what this team as a whole is going to be this year, which is going to be a nice change of pace from the, the end of the season last year. And even the beginning where it's like, okay, we've got Al Horford, like we have George Hill. It's like, there's Derek Favors and there's Mike Muscala, but it just doesn't, you don't have the same weight with those guys, I don't feel like, uh, right, guys? Like, you, it, it just feels like this is the young guys team this year, I think. Definitely so. And I think, like you said, I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be weird. Um, but I would also say we're not going to be very good. I think it's <laughs> going to be, it's going to be entertaining to watch, but there's not going to be a lot of wins that come from it this year, I think. I think we're going to have an enjoyable time watching the team play every night and they're going to throw out weird lineups and do different things than you'd expect. Mm-hmm. And hopefully it's something that pays off, you know, two, three, four years down the line where these guys get this experience in these different spots. Uh, but I, I definitely think it'll be an interesting watch. Yeah. And it just a super encouraging start for Josh Giddy. It's just a start. It's just one game. 
try not to go too crazy here. It's just one game and it's just a preseason game at that. But honestly, if you would have given me over under like 10 preseason plus regular season games for Giddy to reach 18 points, I think I would have taken the under. I would have thought he would have been a guy like LaMelo didn't score for a lot of last year. It was like he, he had like those eight point, like 12 assists three of 13 from the field because he can't really shoot consistently. I kind of thought that's what we were going to see from Giddy, even in the preseason. I know the shot looks funky and needs worked on, but I, I just can't say enough, guys. I, I was super encouraged with with last night. A- any final thoughts on on Giddy or just anything else? I know, Stephen, you did the postgame show last night, so you, if you have anything you want to regurgitate for this audience, go ahead and feel free to do that as well. <laughs> Yeah, just to kind of, I know going into media day, Dort was talking about his finishing at the rim, mm-hmm. and that's something I do a little regurgitation content here. But mm-hmm. um, you know, he had that he had that huge slam in the yeah. second, if it was second or third. But you know, looking forward, that's really you know besides Giddy, you know, and then you've got the known quantity or semi-known quantity of SGA. That's really who I'm really looking forward to this year to seeing how they take that next step. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that transitions us pretty well, Jackson, unless you've got anything else uh, from last night's game that stuck out to you. Um, I, I'm just going to hop on that real quick and sure. talk about Dort as well. Yeah, um, go for it. I'd say he was three, six from three. I mean, if you get anywhere near 50% three point shooter out of Dort um, this season, <laughs> but he looked confident shooting the ball. I mean, we go back to his rookie year. Um, he looked a little more confident last year, but like there was times where he, he looked just hesitant to shoot it, hesitant to let it fly. Last night he caught it, he put it up. And I mean, every time he shot it, I felt good about it. And I think, I think we all have very high hopes for what Lou Dort can be. Um, but if he, if he can add that, if he can become, you know, a legitimate three and D guy with, you know, like you said, adding some finishing at the rim, like he could become a very, very crucial part of hopefully the team going forward. Mm-hmm. So I'll hit on a couple more guys before we completely move on from this. Baisley didn't score, had five rebounds. Not, I mean, it's a big year for Bays, but I'm not – nothing he's doing in the preseason is really going to move the needle. Uh, for me, either direction, I don't think. Um, Poku was like a disaster when he came in. It, 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 was, uh, it was kind of a typical Poku experience where it was like, oh, my God, like what's this guy doing out here? Like is this guy really an NBA player? But then – he, he kind of settles down, gets more comfortable. It's his first game in front of actual fans in OKC, too, so probably some nerves for Poku as well. And he finished with 11 points, had his kind of typical Poku flashes, and those are always fun. Trey Mann, it's kind of the same story with him that it was in his very limited summer league action where it was like, you can see Trey Mann has juice. Like, he he can get to the rim. He can create space for the jumper, you know, get to the floater, even all the way to the rim about any time he tries against his competition so far, but he just hasn't put the ball in the basket yet. I think that will come. And uh, Wiggins, I thought Wiggins, I know he only played seven minutes, had like 12 points in seven minutes, kind of picked up where he left off, uh, left off at in summer league. Uh, guy, I guess I lied. Anything on any of those topics that you guys want to talk about, or can we can we actually move on from this game now? Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> all right, I think I think we have we have squeezed all the content we can out of there. So what I wanted to do, um, 
we're going to do a bigger preview show next week, I think, where we're talking a little league-wide and then a lot of Thunder-centric preview content, obviously, on that show. This week, though, I kind of just wanted to think more big-picture storylines. So we've each brought one storyline from the Thunder that we think is a crucial storyline this year. I don't know where you guys went. I know I personally tried to stay away from SGA because it's kind of like, yeah, we kind of know like he's either going to take another leap or he's just going to be awesome like he was last year. And that's still great. But I don't think there, there is a lot of intrigue there, but there's not a lot to like talk about with that intrigue. We just have to see it. So I, I tried to stay off of that, but Jackson, I'll let you kick it off. What, what is one storyline that really has your attention ahead of this season um i kind of going back to the positionless basketball we talked about before um obviously you know in today's nba it's a lot more feasible than it has been in the past but if you look i mean just looking at our our training camp roster we have i mean they listed poku at center and they listed moose as a forward center Mm -hmm. like combo um you don't necessarily have to play the traditional center role but who's going to be the big man for this team. Like you probably with these guys developing, you don't necessarily want to run out, you know, Muscala and um, favors for all these minutes, but you know, you got to have somebody out there to get some rebounds. Um, there's a lot of big, you know, a lot of big forwards on the team. A lot of guys listed, you know, six, eight, six, nine, six, ten. 10. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious to see who kind of steps up and takes over those minutes. I know personally um, he got to start last night. I'm big on Isaiah Roby. I think he provides a lot of energy um, and could be a good guy to kind of fit in that spot. I don't know that the long-term solution is on this team, um, no. but I'm curious to see kind of where that, that, you know, spot is filled. It's, it's going, Degnault made the comment yesterday that center is the most fluid spot in the starting lineup, which kind of makes it seem like the other four guys are locked in right now. And center could be, a lot of different guys. If Derek Favors were healthy and there right now, it'd probably be him for the time being. You've got Muscala. You've got Robinson Earl. You've got Roby. And I mean, like, they could maybe go really small and play a Baisley Poku 4-5 and kind of have, you know, neither one be the center. I'm going to be curious, over under just guys on this roster, how many different players start at center we won't count any like late season additions that like 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 they had last year that aren't here yet how many guys on this roster start at center this year i would guess i would probably say at least four i think i think you're gonna get a favor start at some point i think muscala is gonna probably get get some run at, at the starting center spot at some point um roby did last night mm-hmm. and i I thoroughly enjoyed it. And then I think, um, Lord knows, maybe, maybe Poku starts at some point, depending on how the season goes. I think, I think you're probably looking at at least four guys. I think a lot of the, the other spots are pretty well. Did you, did you say Robinson Earl too? I didn't. I you did. So, so Robinson I've been impressed Earl. by him, but I mean, he could definitely say, depending on how the season goes. I mean, that's, we're, I don't want to say fortunate's the word, but we, we're going to get to see a lot of combos and, Mm-hmm. It probably doesn't matter. Like we're not, we're not stressed. We can kind of figure it out as we go and see kind of what maybe the future of the position holds. I will say the first time that Robinson Earl starts a game at center, 
he is probably going to foul out in 12 minutes because fouling like with a lot of young big guys is a problem for him right now. And it will be a major problem playing against almost any starting center <laughs> as opposed uh, to, to a backup, but, but yeah, it's almost like they've left that spot empty intentionally because there's a couple of guys at the top of the next draft that, that could maybe, maybe fill that, that starting center spot. Steve, I see you smiling and nodding. Are you, are we are we in agreement there? Yeah, I definitely think that, and I also think even going back to the draft, um, I think Presty has just some. I mean, the man's a magician. Let's let's be real. Um, I think he had this this kind of sixth sense of that he knew he was uh, that we were going to end up with the sixth pick, and you know, being able to uh, tack on those picks, um, you know, those those two he traded for uh, for Shangoon. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, I think he knows more than what we do. Obviously that's, yes. that that's a very obvious statement, but yeah, I think, I think he's got a whole master plan in place. <laughs> yes. I, I would love to know where Giddy was actually ranked on, on the Thunder's big board, something that we'll never know. I, I would love to know, but yeah, there are a lot of guys who could potentially be the starting center next year. Um, that are not obviously yet on the team this year. Steven, what, what is your storyline that, that you're really paying attention to as we approach the season here in two weeks, two weeks from, from tomorrow, <laughs> from Wednesday, we've got a real game. Yeah. So I kind of went with the curious case of Gabriel deck. Um, yeah. Why is he here? Why? That's, <laughs> that's kind of what I'm, uh, I haven't, you know, most of these guys that are on the team are like 24 and under. And, you know, so he's kind of the wild card. You know, he's he's 26, almost 27. He doesn't really fit. I mean, to me, he doesn't really fit what the Thunder is doing right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, he just had 10, you know, just played in 10 games last year. But, you know, his splits were, you know, 40, basically 48% from the field and then horrible 13% from three. So to me, I mean, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me why he's I mean and he could you know prove us wrong here in the next you know three weeks of the regular season but to me that's kind of the one guy that I'm watching of he's and he's not necessarily a needle mover for you know if he was if Presti was able to trade him I don't think he's a needle mover for a contender or anybody like that so it's kind of a weird to me it's kind of a weird limbo of where does he really fit in on this team Mm -hmm. Allegedly, the Clippers were the other team, right, that were interested in him when he came over and the Thunder for some reason and he for some reason, they they chose each other when the Clippers were also a suitor. I'm not sure if he just wanted the guaranteed playing time maybe to end last season, but he's obviously he's still here despite the rumors that despite the rumors that he was had already signed somewhere else. And it was like, no, actually, that was just all a lie. So yeah, it, it's been weird. And on top of the situation being weird and just the, the age gap, like it not really fitting the timeline or the plan on top of those things being weird, he just doesn't really fit in the modern NBA. Like he is like a, a six, six, like true post-up player. Like he, he's just a weird guy for this team. And I think, could be a guy that we are kind of confused and maybe a little frustrated 
why he's getting 20 minutes and what Poku got 17 minutes tonight and, and Gabriel Deck got 20. Like, like what's going on? I, I think there might be some nights like that where, where it's a little bit frustrating, perhaps. I, I don't know, Jackson, what, what are your thoughts on the whole uh, Gabriel Deck uh, experiment that's going on right now? I think that's exactly what it is. It's an experiment. Um, I don't imagine if this was a team that was cons- contending for a four or five seed, much less like an eight seed, that he would get any minutes. I haven't been blown away by him yet. I mean, I think there's you know some potential there, but as you said, he's a little up there in age um, for a, no- a normal bunch. Not for, for, for this team, yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for our teenagers, it's a little different, but um I mean I don't I don't see a lot. I think, you know, it's we probably get the experiment this year. If it doesn't work, I think we'll probably likely see him end up, you know, playing back overseas or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's possible. I, I think his contract is still non-guaranteed right now, and it get, he has a guaranteed date that comes into effect a little bit later on it's possible. He just is a straight up cut. Um, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't like blow my mind. I don't know what, what you guys think, but if, if he got cut before the season. No, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, but I, I, I mean, just to me, that's, that's kind of the one, you know, I mean, you know, you've got your, your starters, obviously then your, you know, first three off the bench, but then other than that, like there's a lot of unknowns, on the on the back end of the bench to me Mm -hmm. so the storyline that i'm really paying close attention to this season i i'm gonna pick the guy who i think is the most polarizing player on on thunder twitter and that's darius baisley people either seem to really love darius baisley and really really believe in him or people are already kind of done with them and, and ready to to say that he can't do this and do that in the NBA. It's a big season for Bays, I think, and more so for Bays as a member of the Thunder than maybe for his career because he's still so young. And if he doesn't have a great year this year, he still has time to where he could become a good player. But like, and, and it's not like, again, I like Bays. I, I was literally in a bad mood for like three weeks when Stephen Adams didn't didn't uh or when Steven Adams played 32 minutes a game against Houston in the bubble and Billy Donovan refused to play Baisley more than like eight minutes he'd come in and hit one three and like play two possessions of good defense like okay let's let's get Steve back out there and watch him try to close out to to the corner but the thing about Bays is he was just so inefficient last season yeah it was almost 14 a game but it was 40 percent from the field 29 percent from three Post All-Star break, which was pretty much just post shoulder injury for Bays, it was 17, six and a half, and two and a half, but it was the exact same percentages. It was 40% from the field, 29% from three. I think he had too much on his plate last year. Even when the team was fully healthy, he kind of went from like step one to step four, like on like the development curve, like the ideal development curve you'd have for him. It's like, okay, this year, I think what would have been an ideal situation for him would be consistent playing time. And let's just focus on the jump shot. Let's attack closeouts. But that wasn't the reality of last year's team. And I think that's what he's going to be in the NBA. It's a three and D four man who can attack a closeout. And it's really going to depend on, can he actually shoot? Can he get that 29% 
to more like 35, 36, 37%. But really what it comes down to is Sam Presti does not let these guys get to free agency. Next offseason, Baisley's going to be up for a contract extension. Like, if he doesn't have a good enough year to prove to Presti that he should be an extension guy, I think he could be a very strong trade candidate next offseason. I'm curious what your guys' thoughts are on that. Yeah, I mean, going back to the uh, the Houston series that you were talking about before, I wrote <laughs> I wrote a whole piece for the website about how I think the key to the series was basically playing mm-hmm. the five, and then it just never happened. Um, I like Bays. I think there's a lot of potential there, but it's one of the things that we as a fan base are going to have to realize is that we're bringing in all these young guys and we're drafting basically as young as we can get. Not everybody's going to be a home run. Like, mm-hmm. I like Bays. I think there's a lot of potential there, but, you know, the future of Darius Baisley might be as, you know, your second man off the bench. Like he could be a really good rotation guy. Mm -hmm. Um, Not every guy we draft is going to turn out to be a starter. If they did, we'd have to have four teams. We have that many draft picks. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I think the potential is there. Um, I think you're right. I think it's a big season for him. If he can take a leap that he can continue to build on. I mean, I think with Giddy, I think with some different guys, there's less pressure on him. Um, to show up every night and, and kind of carry a scoring load. Um, not that we'd expect a big one, but, you know, you got to think you probably need at least 15 a game from him. Yeah. Um, and, and last night was tough. So, I mean, hopefully he can bounce back from that. Yeah. And, and I said that there's really nothing he could do that would move the needle for me last night. What I didn't like to see is he had, he had the play where he caught the ball, like kind of top of the key, maybe slight, slight wing uh, on the left. He looked like he wanted to shoot kind of thought better of it, decided, oh, I'm going to pat, I'm going to throw a skip pass. And the defender jumped up and, and slapped it and it went the other way for a dunk. And it's just like, I just, I don't want to see him thinking out there in year three. I just want to see him read and react, be confident in his decisions to shoot, to make the next pass, to attack the closeout like that. That's what I really, more than just pure like points per game. I want to see a more efficient Darius Baisley. And I want to see a more decisive Darius Baisley this year. Steven, what, 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 what do you think about, about Bays and the prospect of maybe he's not long for this team if he doesn't have a better year this year? So I definitely feel like I'm kind of, I'm kind of on that fence that you talked about. Uh-huh. Of like you've either got – he's either right for this team or it's going to – you know, it's not going to end up well. I kind of think he's in that point of – and. Evan, you hit it exactly on the head of how efficient can he be? And, you know, how how are those in-game, you know, is he just going to just go out there and just, just go out and ball? Or is he going to, you know, sit and then take the shot? And then, you know, if – so to me, that's kind of what I'm thinking of. Like, he's just got to play – I mean, he's just got to go out there and play ball and just, just get after it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't know. It's just like – I don't want this to come across like I don't like Darius Baisley and don't think he has promise. I definitely think he can do all of those things this year and and have a good year. But I think if you were also looking back at last year and looking at the actual young guys who mattered and just giving them, you know, A through F grades, Baisley was probably the lowest grade uh, of anybody last year. I think he probably had the most disappointing season. 
would definitely agree with that. I, I think, I mean, I know I personally had very high hopes for him and I haven't completely given up on those, but I, I think we definitely need to see, see a little more from him this year. I think he needs to probably go above expectations, not, you know, from draft day, but from everybody's expectations going into the season, I think he probably needs to exceed those and, and show some real, real promise. Mm-hmm. And I think what people would, would say, and, you know, maybe, maybe not wrongly, maybe they're right. But I think what people would say is, you know, even if he doesn't have the year you want, even if you don't think he's worth or even going to be worth, because that's really what the second contract is, is what the guy is going to be worth, hopefully, during the, the second or third year of that deal. If you don't even think he's going to be worth what he can command with that contract, just pay him. You've got, you know, all kinds of cap space, but the you never know when you're going to need that cap space for trades uh, to make, you know, God forbid the Thunder actually are able to sign somebody at some point with some of that cap space when they're actually ready to go try and do that again. It's like you, you don't want to tie up money. Even if you have it now, you might not have it later. You don't want to tie up the money in a guy that you don't think is worth it. And I just don't think, I don't think Presti is going to pay a guy if he doesn't believe in the guy. So yeah, I, I think a big a big season is ahead for Darius Baisley and his future with the team. Guys, any any final thoughts on that or just really a- anything Thunder before we call a night and get out of here? I don't think so. I think I'm just kind of excited just to see for what it's the only nationally televised game for the Thunder this year <laughs> on Sunday. I think that's really – I'm just excited what game two kind of looks like against the against the world champions. Yeah, what what channel do they play on Sunday night? Uh, ESPN. Man, see, as you can see by what's above my shoulder back here, I'm a Chiefs fan. They also play <laughs> Sunday night. I really want to watch Josh Giddy, man. I don't know if I can do it during the Chiefs game, but I, uh, I'm i super jacked to watch either the game or the highlights of, of Josh Giddy uh, in game two for sure. Jackson, anything else before we hop out? I'm just happy Thunder basketball's back. I, I said at the beginning, I said it just felt right, like, you know, just sitting there and just watching Shay, you know, sauce people and get to the rim whenever he wants. Like, I was like, brings a warm feeling to my heart. In in the green Paycom Arena Center, I can't remember which it is. Uh, a little, a little bit strange not to be the peak, but a super, super sweet green top on the new arena. Looking forward to a lot more games uh, there this year as well. And that is going to do it today for episode three of the Boomtown Hoops podcast. You can follow Boomtown Hoops on Twitter and Facebook at Boomtown Hoops. And on Instagram is at Boomtown.Hoops. Join that Discord. I'm sure that'll get tweeted out at some point before the season. We've got a great community in there that is very active uh, during games, during the week, whenever. You know, we we talk about at the beginning of the show, like we just want to talk Thunder basketball with the people who care about it. Like there's a lot of people in that group who care about it. So definitely go hop in when that link gets tweeted out at some point on Boomtown Hoops, but we will talk to you guys, hopefully with Kate, hopefully a for a foursome uh, podcast next week. We'll talk to you guys next week with some over-unders, some Thunder predictions, some league-wide stuff. We've got a lot of fun stuff next week and then some real basketball soon. So we will talk to you guys then. <laughs>